0: And he was just like, they didn't, no, they weren't bothering me, like, they just turned on the light. She's like, looked at me, smiled a few times, turned the light off, and she'd be gone. Welcome to The Shift Report, the hottest new nursing podcast in America. And now, your hosts, Mariam Khan and Wasim Moment.
1: And we are live. Live. Again with episode seven. We took a quick hiatus.
0: It was much well deserved.
1: Yes. So you guys are listening to the shift report. We're the realist nurses. My name is Miriam. My co host here is with Hello. And we did take a little hiatus. We went to Wyoming. Uh, we went to a couple of national parks out there, the Grand Teton National Park in Yellowstone. A lot of fun. So much fun. Highly recommend if you guys haven't visited um, those national parks that you definitely, definitely take the time to go out there and really see that. Be one with nature.
0: Yeah. And for us from Texas, Wyoming, that's a 180-degree shift. Right. Completely different weather climate. So that was cool.
1: Especially around this time of year. So we got to see a lot of colors. We saw snow. Being from South Texas, we don't see snow at all, really.
0: Twice in my entire life.
1: So, I mean, it was a lot of fun. We would highly, highly recommend you guys visiting there. But we are so glad to be back. We um, have just really wanted to express to you guys... The gratitude that we have for you and following along with this uh, podcast and our blog, and you can always follow us um, at Realist Nurses on Instagram, therealistrn.com is our blog. Check it out. We have a bunch of great, great, great nursing information, uh, whether you're a new grad, an experienced nurse, um, the whole shebang, like we have it on there. It's there for you guys 24-7. You can access it. It's free. So definitely take take that up and be able to, you know, even give us any kind of feedback.
0: Yeah, and we're still growing too. So our website isn't like one hundred percent where we want it to be, but that's because we just haven't got to that time point yet or to that point of where we're comfortable. We also have an email list that people can sign up for. We share great information, we share little tidbits about our podcast or about upcoming episodes. We shoot out Um, a few early emails to some of our subscribers. So if you like this podcast and you want to be first in line to listen to it, it's a great way to get ahead on it. Um, We're also going to share some pictures of Wyoming pretty soon. So if you have any questions about the trip over there, I mean, it's not really the best time to travel there right now because it's so cold. But if you want more information on that, that's a great place to just kind of put your email in. it's free. We don't send you any junk email at all. So you can ask our subscribers now. We don't send emails too often. But we do send some pretty cool stuff.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, like us, subscribe. We're on Spotify. Of course, YouTube. We're on Google Podcasts. So we do, we're do. we on a d- bunch of different platforms that you can kind of delve into and whatever you prefer. Just follow us along on that platform. Today's topic is like spooky.
0: We're a little bit late, but it's, it's okay.
1: Yeah, of course. Like I said, we took our little hiatus. But we are back and um, excited. We're excited for this episode just because it is a little different. Um, personally, I feel like all the spooky stuff honestly happens on night shift.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's when that's when everything comes out.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so I know you had an interesting um, kind of interaction. Yeah,
0: well, I've had a few actually. I used to be a night shift worker for several years early on in my career. And I used to hear a lot of stories and this one in particular didn't happen to me directly, but it was kind of like, um, it was like a compilation of stories from people that I worked with that worked around me. So I'm going to do my best to retell the story in the best way possible. Um, but if you're out there listening and you were the one telling me the story, I'm sorry if I don't get all the details correct, but I'm going to try. So I used to work in a, well, I do work in a pretty old hospital. And it has several buildings. Some of them are older than others. Um, and I'm talking about old, like 1800s old. Like this hospital has been old. around for a while, you know. And we work in a building that has been one of the, well, it was the first erected building for that hospital system. And it's been there for years. And, you know, you've always grew up or always worked in that area knowing that there was always something going on in that area. People who have been working there for many, 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 many years would tell you like they've seen something or they run into something or had doubts that something might be watching them or something's coming See, up. See,
1: that's creepy. I don't know about that.
0: So these were all things that we were kind of just talking about and hearing, but you never really truly experienced it firsthand. Um, so I had a patient... Um, in my unit that I was taking care of, who really wasn't sick. And this is in the intensive care unit. So he wasn't like super sick or anything, but he was definitely with us. And we were working with him. Um, and probably the next morning or like a day or two later, he was going to be discharged or he was going to be transferred out of the ICU. So he was kind of doing his own thing, you know, just, um, you know, trying to get better. He was really on that much monitoring he probably really didn't even need to be there that night but he was so he's with us and on the other side of the floor is an elderly patient who's probably nearing end of life who's on a lot of monitoring who's very critical who has family constantly in and out and we're working with her um, and the family makes a decision to kind of go comfort care at some point and they're like you know she's older she's been through a lot Let's not put her through too much misery. Right. So we have two very different stories. We have a younger patient on this side who's probably going to leave. And we have an older patient on this side who's probably also going to leave, but to finally go home and rest in peace. And, you know, right. we were trying to make her comfortable and all that. So we're doing, you know, the day's going on, and families coming in to visit this end-of-life patient. And we start hearing stories how she used to be a nurse. So instantaneously for all of us we're all just like oh my god she's a nurse she's one of us you know we're gonna give her the best care possible and not that we don't treat all of our patients equally but you know you know how it is
1: it's like a a sense of gratitude that you feel towards that patient who you know did live their life as a nurse and you know you can relate to them
0: right right so we're doing our things we're listening to the family stories and they're all just reflecting on her life and She's there, not really awake, just being, you know, sick. But it was nice to hear stories about her. And they bring in pictures and they're showing the nurses and the staff. And it was kind of their way of coping, their kind of way of letting go of their family member. And she was, like, 100% loved. It was very obvious that, like, she was a family favorite. Because, you know, you sometimes have patients that don't even get visitors. Right. But she was, like, had tons of family. Her grandchildren were there. Her children were there. Her children's spouses were there, and they all had positive things to say about her. That's awesome. So it was just really, like, a nice moment for everybody. And although it was sad, it was really, like, refreshing to see. So they bring in a bunch of pictures from her or of her, and there's pictures of her, like, in school. And she's wearing, like, an old nurse's uniform. So, of course, we're inquisitive. We're like, oh, my God, where did she go to nursing school? Or where did she get trained? or? And, of course, it wasn't as regimented as it is right now so you know we're just talking just learning more about her and th- as the night goes on um, she ends up passing away and it was a very peaceful transition you know we were keeping her comfortable we weren't really doing too much we we're just making sure she had a very easy passage mm-hmm. and it was really serene like the family enjoyed it as as much as they could you know um They had a very positive experience. They got to, you know, with with the body and with the, the patient and kind of move on. And when she passed, they stood around for like another hour or two and they were done. So in this time, one of the patients, the patient that I was talking about across the hallway starts hitting his call light more and more often. And he keeps saying like, who comes in my room over and over again? Can you please tell them to like chill out, you know, and we're all like, man, who is this person? And at nighttime, like, especially if, like, you're not that busy of a patient, we don't bother you.
1: Right. Especially yeah. in the ICU, like, you, you know, it's rare. Yeah, and we just night don't. Night shift in general, yeah.
0: And, you know, unless it's, like, labs or something, but once again, this guy doesn't have much going on, so we're just like, okay, you know, just, what's going on? Like, well, who, what's bothering him? So we tell, like, the PCAs and stuff, like, yo, like, leave him alone, like, let him get him to rest. And then he hits his call light again. And he's like, yo, y'all need to stop like, bothering me. I'm trying to get some sleep, man. Like, I've had a rough two weeks, and he had been there for a while. So we're like, dude, nobody's coming in your room. So we're thinking, okay, this guy's getting delirious. Like, some delirium is setting in, you know? So we start getting a little worried. And then he hits his call light again at one point, and he's just like, who is this person in white that keeps coming into this room and keeps bothering me? Like, they come in and they turn on the sink light and we have like sliding glass doors and that glass door was like shut completely shut and i was sitting right at the end and he's at the end of their unit i was sitting right there for like two and a half hours not a soul went into his room Hmm. and it was dark like we turned the lights off at night so the patients can rest of course and no one's in there and finally he stops hitting his call light and we start moving the patient, the patient that passed. You know, we, we took her to the morgue and we did all of the processes that, you know, required by the hospital to get things done. And he happens to see a picture of her that was in her room that her family had brought that we were kind of putting into a box to give back to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they hadn't taken it with them. And because we have glass doors, he saw a picture. And at the time, we were just like, oh, it's probably like a HIPAA violation, but it wasn't done on purpose, you know? Mm -hmm. And he was like, he pointed to the picture and was like, yo, who's that? And everybody was just like, that's none of your business, right? Right. And put it away and just kind of forgot about it and we moved on. Later, a couple of days later, after all this had gone down, the nurse taking care of that patient that was still alive said that the picture he had seen was the same person that was coming into his room. And he recognized the face and the outfit. And that was the lady in white.
1: What?
0: So the nurse had asked him, like, so what was your experience? Like, what was she saying? He's like, she didn't say nothing. I thought it was somebody who worked here. And he was just like, they didn't know. They weren't bothering me. Like, they just turned on the light. She's like, looked at me, smiled a few times, turned the light off, and she'd be gone or she would move things around the room or what I thought she was doing around the room, around the sink.
1: I have, like, goosebumps. I don't know if you can see that, but...
0: So, we I mean, we all did, too. And we were just all, like, what in the world, you know? And at that point, I'm just like, man, is this guy just making this up? Because he saw the picture, and he's like, I probably died. Because, I mean, in our unit, it's obvious when someone passes away. Like, even as patients around there. You don't know who it is, but it's pretty obvious. Mm -hmm. So that was just, like, something that creeped me out. And I'm just like, what if she came back to finish her job? She was a nurse.
1: Yeah. Just taking care of a patient.
0: And from what I remember, she also like supposedly said like very encouraging words to him too. Like, you'll be fine. Like, you'll be, you'll be good. Just continue to do what you're doing. You know, you're going to have a long life, blah, 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 blah. And I mean, those are, those are the details that I'm forgetting because it's been years. Right. Yeah. That's the premise of the story. Like the lady in is white. Yeah. Wow, it's the lady in white.
1: So it was just her spirit, just kind of finishing whatever her it was. shift.
0: Yeah, whatever it was. Yeah, I have no idea.
1: That's wild. Things you see on night shift.
0: I guess that's the dark side. Well, I mean, in this case, it's not even like creepy. Yeah. Because she was like a positive aura. She was a very positive, you know, being. It wasn't scary. But it's just kind of like unnerving a little bit.
1: Yeah, yeah. I have uh, not something similar. I mean, I feel like all the creepy stuff happens on night shift. So and I was only on night shift for like three months because it just was not for me. It's not about that life. But I did have one patient who was like mid 60s. He was a cancer patient with metastasized so basically his cancer had spread all over his body and it was kind of end stage at that point
0: and it's, you know I'm hearing about that so much more yeah. and I don't know if it's just because of where I work now but like no because I so cancer is very prevalent. prevalent
1: right now yes
0: and it's wild but continue
1: yeah so he was still Pretty independent. I mean, he, of course, he was sick and he went through the whole um, radiation chemo thing. Of course, it still ended up metastasizing and spreading. So he, at that point, had already stopped chemotherapy and radiation. And he was a, you know, he kind of accepted what his future was. And he just wanted to live life at that point. And so... There was one night and it was my first night on for that week. And he was you know, he was content. I saw him during shift report, 7 p.m. and told him, Hey, I'll be back in a in an hour or so to check on him, bring any kind of medication. And when I went back, he he said, Hey, can you call my daughter? And I was like, Sure, I'll call your daughter for you, no worries. And right. um couple of like 30 minutes later he was like hey can you call my son and i was like okay sure i can call your son and right. and then he just kept like every couple of minutes he just wanted me to call one of his family members because he wanted them to come see him
0: this is the middle of the
1: night this was not the middle of the night but like the evening mm-hmm. um 8 9 p.m. Right. And uh, eventually around 10 p.m., everyone starts trickling in and they're visiting one by one, not all at once. But he, he it seemed like he made it he made it his mission to see everyone that night. And so I think it was around midnight, 1230, when the last person had left and I went in there, I've checked on him. He said, You know, I just feel so much better now that I've talked to everybody and I've, and, you know, we had great conversation. It just made my heart so happy. And I was like, Good, like, you know, I'm glad. Right. And, and like I said, he, he didn't seem like he was very sick. But of course, with cancer, it, it you know, you're good one day and the next day you're just so yeah, you just weak and fatigued and the next day you're, you know, okay again. So it's very wishy-washy. So I went in around 1 a.m., 1.30 a.m. to check on him after that last patient had, I mean, last family member had left. Yeah. Came in and he was ice cold.
0: So he had passed?
1: No pulse. Wow. He was pale.
0: Was he DNR? Like- he was. Oh, okay. okay.
1: Um, and he had like a smile on his face. Mm. So at that moment, I was like, wow, he knew right. that he was going to pass and he passed in peace.
0: He was wrapping things up. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy.
1: And it's wild because like, you know, we never know when our time is. Right, right. We don't know; it, it it could happen at any moment to any of us, young or old. Like we don't know, but I feel in some patients they just have a feeling, yeah, you know. And I and honestly, I also feel like it's those patients that are chronically ill right. or have those chronic illnesses, and they have a, I guess, a better sense of knowing
0: and what's coming. It's funny you say that because all over our hospital we have rapid response. Um, kind of like a page that says like reasons you can call a rapid response and it's just like a reminder and it's actually in the patient's rooms too so it's not just for nurses so like okay so
1: patients can call
0: yeah absolutely like if their family members in there and something happens then they kind of know like okay that's not normal i need to call this number so we've had patients call rapid but back to the point there's a little tip or a reason you can call rapid response and it says patient says i'm going to die and it says you know parentheses, like full code, like that is one of the reasons you should call a rapid response.
1: What? And I mean, I didn't sometimes even know that. Yeah,
0: sometimes it's like, okay, I have patients who say I'm yeah. gonna die, and okay, really, bro, like you're yeah. fine. Yeah, yeah. You know, but like if your patient is normal and like chilling and stuff, and they mention, like impending doom, mm-hmm. or I'm going to die, or I don't feel good, it it could mean a lot of things. I had a patient say that one one time, and he had a huge PE. And just didn't feel right. He ended up dying.
1: So they do like people sometimes have people that just sense. don't. Yeah. They just
0: get it. Like some, I don't know what it is. I, mean, I can't. Yeah, explain we've never it.
1: been there, right? So we have no idea. But it, I feel really, truly feel like some people know that their time has come.
0: Yeah. And even when I'm walking downstairs in that building that I work in right now, and it's like when I was in, on night shift and it was like late night, and I would walk through to get to the cafeteria, and it'd be like one o'clock in the morning, I had this like feeling like. Something's watching me like something's around, you know, and I would like hurry through. Yeah the, I would uh...
1: avoid that at all costs. <laughs> yeah. different route, please yeah.
0: But you know the different route is so much longer. So I would pop down the elevator Gone to the cafeteria and I'm just like ooh, like quick shiver like, like okay. Something's like around here. Yeah Something's not right. You know,
1: yeah, I can't Mm-mm. Not for me.
0: So I mean I guess that's the dark side of nursing and I'm sure people have so many more stories about instances just like this mm. That um, they've gone through, and I'd love to hear them because this kind of stuff is like super freaking interesting, very interesting. And I think it's so it's so unique where and how people experience them and how the story is told because you know it a lot of it gets lost in translation. And my storytelling probably sucked too, so I said it the best that I remember it. But I'm sure the original person who told me the story that was in that just you know with me probably can tell a lot better. But I'd be really interesting, you know, if our followers have stories like that and not just in hospital settings, but even sometimes with their families that are at home in end of life care or friends that are going through something. Mm -hmm. Maybe they have stories, you know, that I
1: think a lot of like LTAC facilities may see stories like this because those are those long term
0: elderly population, elderly
1: population. Yeah. Who, you know. Right. Have chronic illnesses and things like that so i mean if you guys do have stories that are kind of ghouly and ghostly and (laughs) uh you know just different please feel free to reach out to us Yeah. direct message us we're always available we're always willing to chat um and we'd love to hear your stories
0: yeah me too and i would love to share them too maybe we can redo this you know soon yeah and if we get sure. more stories or get more anecdotes of what people have gone through we can sit down and tell them to our audience and i think that'd be pretty cool but we yeah we are a little bit one week late well not even a week but a few days late from halloween we wanted to put it out earlier but once again we were on vacation so um next week we're actually going to be talking about something that we've been seeing a lot through our social media channels and it's with like nclex and finding jobs there are a ton of students Holy crap, like the nursing community is made up of so many nursing students. Right. And I think that's really cool. That's really awesome. But at the same time, that also increases your, I guess, competition.
1: Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely.
0: So there's only so. like people always talk about it. Like, oh my God, nursing is such a big, you'll always get a job. That's not always the case though. Like when you are a brand new nurse, it's tough to find a position. And especially the position that you like. Correct. As a nurse now, being several years into the game, yeah, we can go work practically anywhere. You know, nurses with experience are so much more sought after than nurses coming out of school. Right. Because we're cheaper. You don't have to train us as long, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's cheaper in the long run. So next week we're going to talk about like tips and tricks on how to pass the NCLEX, uh, something that you've done more recently. Right. And then two, after you've done that, how can you – get a step up or be more competitive in the job market and how do you separate yourself from all the other applications right so we do interviews I I do interviews all the time peer interviews for nursing positions or whatever and I did before as well not so much anymore Um, so we can give you tips on what we look at when it comes to hiring people or hiring new grad nurses so we'll talk about that next week just a quick reminder if you already don't subscribe please subscribe to our YouTube channel at The Realist Nurses. You can subscribe to our email blast. Um, You can go to our website at www.therealistrn.com. There's a link there where you can just type in your email and you'll get weekly emails. It's just one email a week. Sometimes it's not even an email a week. We only email you with relevant stuff that, you know, may or may not help you, but at least it's there in your email and it's not crowding your inbox. Right. So with that being said, Thank you very much for listening. We'll catch you next week or a week after that. Next week. Next week. Next week. We'll yeah. catch you next week and we'll take you from there.
1: All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to The Shift Report.
0: Yep. Watch your back. Someone's always watching you. Thank you for listening to The Shift Report. Be sure to check back every week to get real-time advice from The Realist Nurses or follow us at therealistrn.com. Thanks <laughs>